What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run waltz. If it's first and ten, waltz. Or, 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 any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs kingdom, welcome in to the latest Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Welcome into the Chiefs six straight victory Monday, um, victory Tuesday. I guess we're recording this on the site. I guess we've had a victory Friday mix in there, Stag. So whatever day it is, the Chiefs are winning. Uh, they've been winning lately. Haven't lost since week one. Their latest win was the thirty-one seventeen win over the Chargers. I'm Ron Cop Jr., the lead analyst at the site ArrowheadPride.com. With me, as usual, Matt Stagner, writer at the site as well. Stags, welcome in, my friend. How are you doing today? Hey, buddy, doing well. This sixth straight win was arguably their best one of the season. I'd say so. It was the most fun. Like, yeah. you know, the Bears game was fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, first appearance of uh, of T Swift. You know, does that factor into your fun? How fun it was to you, Stags? How fun the game was? Hey, I mean, the the celebration dance was pretty sweet this week. That was that was a big deal. Got to give them credit there. Gotta but get no, it's been, it's been great. This is probably the more complete game. I mean, the, the Bears game was uh, was fun just because it was a complete and total blowout. But this one, they faced a, a little bit of competition, especially in the first half, and and they just were managed to pull away and put together a tremendous defensive second half of the game. And obviously, huge performances out of Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, that, that was really, you know, to get to 31-17 against a team that is always – always down to the final drive, final play. Uh, this was a, a nice change there. Yeah, no, this is the first time the, the, the Chiefs have beaten the Chargers by more than a score in the Brandon Staley era, which could be coming to an end pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into that a little later uh, specifically. But, no, this was a fun game, Stags, and and I wasn't there. Uh, you know, I missed out on, on what could have been one of my favorite Arrowhead moments, I think, of the season, mm-hmm. in a while maybe even, when in the fourth quarter – one score game, 24-17, Chiefs get a stop, and McCole Hardman's back there to receive the punt, catches it, dashes upfield, makes a move, gets to the sideline, gains 50 yards on the return. I had goosebumps. I was I was uh I was feeling a little emotional for McCole there. Um, you know, just he obviously going through, you know, where he wasn't being used in New York, almost feeling probably wasted, you know, with the the obvious obvious talent he has. I mean, we all know he has some sort of talent, Stags. It was cool to see him make a play. I don't know. What did you, how were you feeling when you kind of saw number 12, number 12 dash up the, the field? I had a feeling that he would make a play or two. Like this, this just felt like a very logical reunion. The Chiefs needed a guy who could be a playmaker. They were 
a little bit lacking on on the speed as compared to what they've had in previous years. Just a, just and you know they had to Richie James get hurt, um, so obviously they're missing their their returner. And Washington kind of wasn't wasn't exactly panning out the way that they had hoped. So this was a, a really obvious reunion and a happy one. It really seemed like the the players were excited to have him back. So yeah, I I had a feeling he would do something. I wish they could have connected on that one long pass that ended up as an interception. Um, that was probably one of the low lights of the game. Uh, the, the rest of the game uh, was was pretty sweet. That catch he had on third down on the key drive in the fourth quarter was big. Yes. Uh, and then obviously that that punt return was electric. And to have a have a guy like that can just put his foot in the ground, get uphill, and and go. You know, in, in a in a really uh, you know just a, a tremendously rare burst of speed. The the way that he the way that he goes when he, when he makes one cut and goes, it is it's unique. It's it's not Tyreek Hill, but it's but it's the next best thing. Right, and you mentioned it off the top that they just didn't ha- don't have that really in the receiver room. One of the things they're missing with Justin Watson's injury is actually uh, you know top end speed. You know, burning speed down the field. You know, it's why McColl was running that vertical route, like you mentioned. He got uh, that was the interception. Mahomes was just late to it; didn't throw, didn't put enough on it as well. So, um, but it was cool at the time, right? He wasn't able to. He might have been, yeah. But he he, and we'll get into it uh, with with when we talk about it later. But he did miss MVS. Uh, He he could have just hit MVS over the middle on that. But that's okay, (laughs) Pat. It was one of the only times he kind of was a little too uh, hungry or a little too uh, risky with it. But I mean, yeah. Mahomes was near perfect in this game. Like there was, there was not much more that you can ask for, especially in that first half. I think he had, uh, you know, near a career high in, in passing yardage in one half over 300 in the first half. Slowed yeah, down the I, second half, but it was still very efficient. You know, got the job done down the stretch when they needed it. Uh, four touchdowns helped my fantasy football teams, at least a couple of them. Uh, it, it was a, uh, it was a banner day for Mahomes and for Kelsey. Yeah, you, your your fantasy team probably needed uh, a little help after losing by point one, was it, uh, to my team a couple of weeks ago? We didn't we didn't let the people know about that. Oh, that was uh, that was, that was brutal. Hilarious. That was that was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. But uh, Mahomes' first half stats. You're right. He barely missed. He was twenty of twenty three, three hundred twenty one yards, three touchdowns. Had the interception in the first half. So one of his one of his incompletions was that pick, and a hundred forty passer rating. Uh, and and we'll talk about the offense a little more uh, later. 140 passer rating with an interception. You're you're doing something. Yeah, that's <laughs> doing something really right. That's a good point. Yeah. So no, it was it was a fun game. Uh, the 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 major bummer coming out of it, right, is is the Nick Bolton injury. Mm. Uh, the leader of the group after kind of dealing with some injuries, you know, early in the season, obviously that forced him out. This one looked painful. Uh, he can't went down, you know, screaming. Uh, and it was a dislocated wrist is was what it ended up being. But he does need surgery. So he's he's out for two months, Stags. That's what they say. He's expected to be some t- uh, back sometime in December. Um, I don't know, man. What were your, what are your kind of thoughts as as we kind of, you know, we, we know Drew Tranquil can 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 fill in. But I mean, this is a little more longer of a term uh, thing than than maybe the last time we, we banked on this happening. Yeah, first of all, I don't know that I've ever heard of a dislocated wrist, but I, I can imagine yeah. that would be. Very painful. Um, having surgery out two months, I mean, maybe he comes back even with a cast. 
I would heard that a couple different places. Uh, we'll see what that means. But if he's out for um, all of November, essentially, and part of December, it, it does make you really glad they signed Drew Tranquil, especially on as cheap a deal as they got him. He immediately came in and made plays, immediately was lining people up where they needed to be, got a sack against his old team. I mean, he's been a tremendous addition this season. You sure like to have that entire room together, but you feel like they can they can make up for the loss of Bolton more seamless than just, just about any other position that had an injury. Can you think of another position on the team that if they lost the top guy, that the second guy would be a less of a drop off. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good point. I mean, you talk about corner just because the second guy is McDuffie, but you obviously have multiple corners on the field at all times. Um, we're talking about one sole position of middle linebacker, and so you know, I, I think obviously Tranquil is, is a playmaker against both the run and the pass. But Bolton's going to give you a little bit more of that juice again, you know, downhill against the run. You know, against a team like they're coming up against the Dolphins, they're going to be running, you know, a lot of those gap runs where they're trying to get explosive plays. That's where Bolton's going to, you know, Bolton would have came in and huge, uh, uh, you know, been a huge advantage, you know, kind of shooting gaps, making sure tackles. Tranquil can do it too, but just I think that's, you know, Tranquil probably just for what he lacks in that department, he probably makes up on Bolton and, and maybe, you know, getting uh, running back and, and kind of defending in coverage, although Bolton had the interception dropping, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. So. Yeah, they're they're very different players, but um, yeah, yeah, you can you could look at it as a, a potential strength of of Tranquil going forward. Uh, be curious to see if Bolton. I didn't hear an IR announcement. Did you? It, was there talk about him going on IR? Because with the new that's rules, question. that's four games. I mean, what's the likelihood he's back within four games? It's a good question. I mean, two months is obviously more than four games. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just waiting we on it. Like, yeah, yep, no, yep. get back with me on that one. Uh, carry the seven. Uh, just uh, on Saturday, probably maybe we'll see some sort of move where, you know, some practice squad guy gets gets the uh, roster up or however they played. I'm sure it's coming, but I will. Have to, we will. We do have to talk about we did bear the lead a little bit, Sags, uh, in the bummer category. Um and this is a, a much more of a bummer. Um, Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross was in the news because he was arrested on Monday afternoon, actually around like 4.30 p.m. for a criminal. Uh, I got it in front of me here. Uh, criminal. I don't want to I don't want to misspeak stags that cr- uh, criminal property damage. Right. Initially reported at above twenty five thousand um, dollars. But we have gotten the facts now here. We're, we're sitting here Tuesday. We know a little bit more here. He has officially been charged with domestic battery um, after having no priors and criminal property damage, although that is in a value below $1,000. So that changes it. It is not felonious anymore. These are misdemeanor crimes, Stags. Um, so we're looking at Justin Ross here all of a sudden, you know, a guy that was promising, a guy a lot of people uh, were, 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 you know, counting on to, to maybe be a, an ascending player. I don't know. What, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news? It's obviously very disappointing, and this is probably my least favorite football topic to discuss yeah. is, is domestic, domestic violence because there's no, there's no place for it. There's no excuse for it. You can't make light of it. There's no, no two ways around it. I mean, there, it, it is a situation that is, that is bad all the way around, and you know, there's no way to, to sort of 
justify it by saying, well, you know, he's a promising player, so we can overlook it. It does seem like that's sort of how things work in the NFL, that that the better the player, the more they can put up with from these types of situations. Uh, unfortunately, it's been around the Chiefs organization quite a bit. It's something that the Chiefs have had to deal with, that they've been open to giving players a second chance, open to being patient with folks, willing to take the heat from the, the general public mm-hmm. on situations like this. So, you know, Justin Ross is probably better off in Kansas City than anywhere else uh, when, when something like this happens. But I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I think obviously we have to wait for all the details. we got to wait to see, you know, what – the, the the facts of the case are it's, it's certainly possible that it was a um you know not as bad as it sounds but we have to assume the worst at this point and and assume that you know he he did he did what he's accused of and, and in that case he's probably going to miss some time he's probably going to miss some time due to the league um, and the chiefs are going to have a decision to make and i don't know I don't know how the team evaluates that situation. I assume that it has a lot to do with some things that will never be made public. Well, it is a similar situation to Willie Gay, right? We've seen this, uh, you know, it's actually very similar in terms of the criminal property damage under a thousand dollars. That's I think exactly what Gay was charged with because his was a vacuum cleaner. Correct. Um, he, he used as a, in a threatening manner in a domestic violence situation. He was suspended for that. Um, the problem here though, uh, as Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star tweeted um, earlier today on Tuesday, uh, Chiefs receiver Justin Ross has been charged with domestic battery and criminal property dar- damage after a victim told a police dispatcher Ross was dragging her through the home, according to dispatch audio. And so that's where, you know, innocent till proven guilty is completely true. Um, but, yeah, those, you know, whenever we hear those kind of details where we don't, like you just mentioned, don't always get them, um, that's where that's when it usually you know, things happen actually quickly, quicker than, than other times when there's not as many details and that little detail might be enough. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, we don't I mean, need to talk too much more about it, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. If you go back through the history of chiefs players in this type of situation, Charles who just came off of a suspension for, for domestic violence. You mentioned Willie Gay Jr. With very similar charges. Uh, you had a situation with Frank Clark um, that was maybe not a similar charge, but, but other charges off the field. Yeah, uh, you have the Dwayne Bow and Sonic, right? You've got. I mean, this is. There's been a lot of Chiefs players with um, arrest history in, in our time. Obviously, the absolute worst scenario, the the worst example, was the Javon Belcher incident, which is just probably one of the saddest moments in the in the history of the of the league. Uh, yeah, what happened with Javon Belcher back in was that 2012. 12. Yeah. 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 So and, you know, it's, but they've dealt with them all differently. And, and again, that's why I think they're going to look at the details of the case and, and try to make a, a rational judgment based on, you know, all the factors involved. Um, you look at the cream hunt situation. That's, that's one a lot of people are going to, going to compare it to. That's something that, that there was actually video out there of, of what Kareem yeah. did. And he was pretty promptly and unceremoniously released from the Chiefs after his incident, but famously because he was not up front with the team. He lied about right. it, um, you know, and and I think – I don't know what level of trust Justin Ross has built with this team 
or how he's handling this situation. Uh, I think that will tell you as much as anything else as far as how the team's going to take it is how he handles himself from the moment this incident occurred on. Yeah, no, I I, I believe in second chances. Um, but the last thing I do want to say here is that I think, you know, this is just another reminder that that sports teams, you know, teams with a benefit, uh, you know, a, a, mon- a financial benefit to having talented players in their program need to be careful with, uh, you know, just, you know, supporting, you know, abusers. Right. I think, you know, Ross, this is, he was a no priors. Right. So first time offender, you know, that's that's, you know, it's it's, it's a different situation. But, you know, for people that follow college basketball, you know, KU, you know, recently brought in a basketball recruit that had previously had um, sexual assault charges. And as he was on campus practicing with the team this summer, he, he raped a woman. And so I to me, like this is just a reminder that, you know, these athletes like get a lot of uh, a lot of leeway. Um, and so, you know, I think the teams just need to be a little more careful about, you know, hey, you know, everyone deserves second chances. But, you know, at the same time, you know, abusers just there's, you know, there's there's no there's nothing around that. And so with Justin Ross, if he really doesn't, you know, if he doesn't show remorse, you know, if he really, you know, if, if there if this was signs, you know, if there were signs leading up to this, you know, I don't think the Chiefs, the Chiefs and other teams need to be a little more, um, you know, swift of uh, and, and not, you know, mess around with it too much. But we, we, we can talk some football now, Stags. How, how, what do you think about that? Yeah. Again, that's my least favorite thing to talk about <laughs> in the in the world of the NFL. Yeah. I would much rather talk about Taylor Swift at this point if if you want to get if you want to go there, but I would I would too. But but ideally, let's let's talk a little bit about this last game. Uh, we mentioned that it was one of the more fun games of the season, so I'd love to hear uh, some other highlights for you other than the McCole runback, um, and then we'll talk through some of your insta breakdown and some of the winners and losers that I had to point out uh, from from this week because it was an interesting game and it was a a fairly complete game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs pass offense had its best game of the year. I mean, you kind of mentioned it off the top, but specifically, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, I mean, they were incredible in the first half. We already mentioned Mahomes' first half stats. Travis Kelsey, nine catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown in the first half. Constantly open over the middle. Um, if you look at Mahomes' spray chart, you know, from NFL Next Gen Stats, you know, that was a, a a place of the field. He was struggling this year to complete passes uh, over the middle. You know, he was hesitant and and sometimes just inaccurate, not against the Chargers. And it was and, and it was because they were not being very uh, careful with how to defend Kelsey. I think they were pretty, being pretty loose with their zone coverage, allowing Kelsey to just kind of find holes to sit in. Um, yeah, it I, mean, was, I know it's been discussed before, but, you know, the, the fact that he is constantly that open is is still it's unbelievable. It, it is, it is, it defies all logic when you're watching the game and you just see the best player, you know, the best, you know, receiver on offense, just roaming free wherever he wants to go. Well, it's an, it's another level of like, how is this possible when the guy who's allowing it to happen, the defensive coach has defended this exact offense for the past, you know, two, three seasons, you know, multiple times a year, you would think, if anyone knows what they need to do to just at least, you know, not have him have a crazy game like he did on Sunday, it would be the Chargers. It would be a divisional rival. It would be look at the Broncos. They they know how to slow down Kelsey in, in in the in the past game, and they do it consistently. It's amazing, and that's honestly why I don't think Staley should should have a job there anymore. I think he needs to prove himself in another situation because he. I just 
it's amazing. It's amazing how <laughs> you can be a defensive coach. And, you know, out of all – how many times have we seen this Chiefs pass off and struggle this year against other teams? And apparently the medicine was just going against Staley in the Chargers defense. Uh, <laughs> they had Derwin James. They had their pass rushers. And the Chiefs, I mean, just five straight scoring possessions, I think, to start the game. Yeah, I mean, it was just it, – it, it really was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they, they made some adjustments in that second half. So, sure, they, they yeah, figured out how to bracket him. Um, you know, and he, he's still – I think caught a touchdown or you're at least uh, made a couple of plays in that second half. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was impossible. And, and you're right. He wasn't doing anything different than what he ever does. So you would think the defensive coaches would have some bead on that, but it's just sure the way that it is out of structure, the way that it is, you know, improvisational and, and the way he and, and Mahomes are in tune, it is, it, 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 it actually is probably pretty difficult to defend because it's not like you can draw it up on paper and tell your right. defenders, all right, when he does this, this is what's going to happen. Because because they don't know, and frankly, Kelsey doesn't know. Yeah, but I will say, like someone like Denver, what they would do very well is just have linebackers pretty much just in zone coverage, play man coverage. You know, rough them up at the line, rough them up. You know, even if the ball, you know, even if it's a an incomplete, you know, kind of extracurricular things. And maybe the Chargers didn't even get the chance to do that on Sunday. So, uh, you know, shout out Kelsey and Mahomes. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, Charles O'Menehue, shout out him. We just talked about him in a negative way, kind of. Um, but, you know, hey, he's someone that, uh, you know, is getting the second chance. And, you know, he said it was the happiest moment of his life, uh, getting that sack in his Chiefs yeah. debut this Sunday. Someone that probably is pretty thankful for his opportunity after kind of going through, you know, again, not being charged, uh, you know, eventually for the the issues he had back in January. Um, he had one sack, two quarterback hits, and then the other pass defended he had turned into an interception. He was he was he was kind of doing exactly what we kind of thought he could do, right? Stags, what did you think about the debut from Omenahue? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason we were excited about bringing him in. It's because of the the complimentary way that he adds to this pass rush, and and you saw it in this game. Chris Jones was not necessarily popping off the stat sheet, no. But if you watch the game, you can see Chris Jones just charging upfield and creating opportunities for Omenahue and others to clean up, and and that is that's a formula for a pass rush that's pretty hard to stop when you've got guys at all different levels with different skill sets, you know, that are all coming in, in different ways, uh, you know, coming down the stretch, it looked like there was no chance that they were going to uh, come back on this, on this chief's defense. It just, it just felt like they had enough pressure coming from, from different places on the defense you know, and of course, you know, you're getting sacks from Drew Tranquil and others, but like they had five sacks from five different players this week. And, and Omenihue just brings a different element, another interior pass rusher. Very few teams have two interior pass rushers. And so uh, it, it really does make it uh, unique and probably difficult to, to game plan for. Uh, he was, he was fantastic in his debut. It really was like, that's exactly what you hope to see in the offseason. Yeah, no, and you mentioned them both being in, inside pass rushers, and you know that's my thought coming into the year is, oh man, imagine the front of the pocket, you know how hard it's going to be to see over the middle of the field if you're a quarterback. You know, Herbert's obviously a taller guy, but just in general, well, you know, the thing I thought was cool is that they were using them on the same side, and Jones was, you know, <clears throat> rushing from the edge at times, and many was rushing from the edge at other times, but them lining up next to each other on the same side of the ball, man, what that does, especially if you're doing that to the the quarterback's throwing side where 
if he's trying to get it to his his favorite receiver on a, in a third down situation, and you know they they call something up where to his throwing side he has some sort of you know route being called up, and you know it's going to be hard to see anything going on if Jones and many who are rushing over that garden tackle. Uh, you know, yeah, there, that side. there's no pass lanes there, um, and, I mean, and there's no line of sight, and then you've got you know George Karloftis who's leading yeah. the league and batted passes since he came into the league now. Yes, uh, sir. Last year he was second only to Carlos Dunlap, who's, uh, you know, we much speculated to return to the Chiefs along with Frank Clark. We'll see if they end up adding back a, another veteran just to keep this rotation stout. But it is, it's looking nasty with, with Omenihue in, in place. And, and it's, it's really going to be fun to watch as the season progresses. Well, let's jump ahead here to the, to the, the third level of the defense. I feel like we've talked about the, you know, the, the defensive line, um, you know, the defensive line gets so much talk, you know, the pass rush gets so much talk, Chris Jones, but you know, I actually wrote for the site this week about the chiefs pass defense in terms of the, the back end, the back seven. Um, and, and actually I, I ended up just writing more about the corners and safeties linebackers. You'll, you, you've gotten your due too. I think we've all given, given the linebacker group some love. Um, you know, obviously without Bolton, we kind of have to figure that out. And we talked about that, but, Man, this Chiefs pass defense is elite because of the of the coverage execution in the back end. Here's some stats to throw to throw at you guys. The Chiefs are allowing the third fewest net yards per pass attempt, so that does uh, include sacks, right? So net yards take away, you know, sack yardage from pass yards. So that's you know even with sacks included, the third fewest yards per pass attempt. Um, they also are tied for the second highest team pressure rate uh, in the NFL. So that tells you, you know, that the defensive line is getting home as much as anybody, but they're also have the third most passes defended as a team in the NFL. Um, they're getting their hands on as, as many te- uh, as, as many balls as anybody. Um, they have all three of their safeties have interceptions, which I thought was kind of cool. Brian cook got his this last game to kind of help seal the chargers game. How about Justin Reed having the second most PBUs of all safeties in the NFL this year? Um, only the Eagles Reed Blankenship has more pass broken breakups by a safety and he leads the team. Justin Reed has more pass breakups than any other defender on the chiefs right now. So, uh, let's start there. I mean, how, how about, how have you seen kind of the, the playmaking of the safety group or, uh, sorry, the defensive back group as a whole and, and just kind of what has been your favorite thing to, to see from it? I mean, my, my favorite thing has been the evolution of, of Trent McDuffie into just yeah. a, a legit top of the NFL Type corner. Um, you have a stat here that he had the most forced fumbles by a corner in the NFL with three. Um, that is uh, something that he's had a knack for this season. He's the way he hits, how physical he is in all yeah. aspects of the game. In addition to his pat, I mean, he had a pass breakup this week that was, you know, just how you draw it out. I mean, it was it was textbook. Uh, he, he's been he's been just phenomenal. I, I love the the versatility of Lajerry Sneed and how uh, how many different things that he can do for this defense. I was a little down early in the game on it, both safeties actually. When you look at the first half, when the Chargers were able to move the ball, uh, they burned Brian Cook and they burned uh, Justin Reed uh, uh, more than once in, in those uh, in those times. But then they certainly both players came back and made plays later in the game. You know, as you mentioned, Cook with the interception. Uh, this was a, a group that's you know got a short memory, which is which is impressive for as young as they are to be able to recover. You know, they go through a stretch. You've seen games in the past where the Chiefs couldn't cover anybody. The defenders were 
running into each other. They they didn't know their assignments. They didn't know what they were yeah. doing. Oh yeah. This group Get seems to be assignment too. sound. And and when there's a problem, they they correct it. And and that's that looks like a mature group for a bunch of second, third year players out there. Yeah, you know, you, you remember that last season with Tyron leading the the defensive backfield. There's times where you're like is this supposed to be happening three years into the system with spags? Like, isn't this like you almost like with the Super Bowl kind of still fresh, you're almost like, should we be criticizing them? Like, maybe this is just, you know, no. We, are you seeing it now? No, because this team is, uh, you know, much more. It seems like, although they, you know, they give up the 50 yard touchdown run. I think that was, you know, more on just getting blocked up really well. Mike Edwards didn't come over in time to, to make that kind of last line tackle defense. Um, and that's where, you know, just to go off your point real quick with Cook, and I do think you're right. I think Edwards is the better pass defense free safety, but I think Brian Cook is is maybe the more trusted down to down safety still, and that's why you're kind of seeing them rotate back and forth because you see you've seen Cook make some really important tackles, including that big play against the Chargers. Obviously, he gets burned, but you know he doesn't allow the touchdown to happen. Spags actually talked about how big that is, you know, not let, letting that big play turn into even bigger play. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but they may not have scored. I think they did score that actually. I think. I think they didn't end up scoring on that drive, but obviously earlier in the season, that Jets run, right? Brees Hall, he makes that tackle. They don't score a touchdown on that drive. Um, so just a good example there. Um, but I do want to talk about how they've been using the cornerbacks. We talk about Trent McDuffie. You know, they've been trusting him to single up on the team, uh, on a team's wide receiver, on a team's second wide receiver for the most part, because a lot of times situationally, whether it's the red zone, whether it's third down, what they've been doing is bracketing the team's number one wide receiver, letting someone play main coverage on him, then then p- putting a safety, usually Cook actually, l- letting him kind of come down and, and purposefully double team and, and kind of bracket inside the the uh, cornerback's outside leverage and kind of you know just taking away a Keenan Allen like this last week. I actually tweeted out a pretty good video where George Carlathis' sack you know, if you watch Herbert, he goes through two reads and he kind of has to just sit there and wait for the sack to come because. Once he goes to his first read, not kind of there. Willie kind of takes it away. He comes back to his second read, which is Keenan Allen. And the double team is so effective and, and so closed in and so well uh, done down the field. It's like, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field at this point. You know, Herbert just kind of just is frozen. Like he thinks he's going to try to fit it in somewhere, but he just can't because Cook and actually Jalen Watson, shout out Jalen Watson is the one covering Allen on this play, double teamed him so well. They've been doing that all year, uh, whether it's Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley. Actually, if you remember that Jacksonville game, when they succeeded in the red zone so well, it was because they were hammering those double teams, you know, taking away Ridley. McDuffie had those, uh, you know, those great pass breakups, uh, you know, at the back of the end zone on the Zay Jones, singled up, right? They trusted him to single up and, and, and take him away, and he does that because it's it's the old Patriots thing, right? Like, you know, if we put our best cover corner on your secondary guy, you know, a la Stefan Gilmore and Sammy Watkins, right? We'd always, we, we always said that kind of thing, you know, like your secondary guy is never going to beat our best corner. And then your best guy is not going to beat a double team. So what are you supposed to do? And that's what the chiefs yeah. defense is doing right now. It's nice to be on the other side of that from the chiefs perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Tyreek getting double Sammy getting the Gilmore treatment. That was rough well, in that AFC championship game. Well, speaking of the other side, we're going to get to your questions uh, as a reminder this is a weekly weekly podcast. We look for your questions every week to give us something fun to talk about. It can be Chiefs-related, not Chiefs-related, whatever. Uh, we certainly appreciate those, so keep submitting those on the X Twitter. 
uh, or email them to apoutofstructure at gmail.com. Ron will check that email occasionally and get us some good questions. But uh, let's take a break. Here's something from our sponsors and play it. The, the game that we love to play every week here. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, uh, what NFL player am I, Ron? Yeah, you know, crossover grid NFL, shout out, immaculate grid, fun game. Still played every once in a while. Definitely lost its luster after it was hot at first. But this week, Stags, you weren't here last time we did achieve some Broncos player, which was only a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'll tell you, it was Peyton Hillis. If you remember, the he was, he was a short-term chief and Bronco, yeah. most known for his Browns days. But uh, here, here today, we have another player that played for both the Chiefs and the Broncos. He was drafted by Kansas City very high and became an all-pro defender in the 90s, but then left for Denver at one point and became a pro bowler there. And the last hint I'll give you is he ended up helping the Broncos spoil KC in a playoff game. Unfortunately, bad mm. memories. We'll talk about who that is on the other side. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back here on the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast. Appreciate you joining us. I asked Staggs about a Chiefs player that also played for the Broncos, not named Peyton Hillis. Uh, and uh, and the last clue I gave you, Staggs, he he ended up spoiling a a, a playoff run for the Chiefs. Did that, did that give it away? You know, that part didn't as much. Uh, I, I'm going to throw out a guess here. And again, I, I thought you were just going to say somebody who played for the Broncos <laughs> and the Chiefs and then leave it at that and make me guess. Because if that was the only clue, I still would have guessed this player. And then after your hints, I was going to guess this guy. Uh, so was it Big Neil Smith? Yes, sir. Big Neil so, Smith. He's He is the most famous crossover Chiefs Bronco for sure. So I almost brought him up earlier because seeing Charles O'Menehue back on the field, 
Uh, big number 90 with the big wingspan. There was a little bit of shade of uh, of a young Neil Smith there, uh, seeing him seeing him I play. Like that. So I don't remember how did he spoil the uh, the playoff game. Uh, for some reason, oh, I'm his, on that one. he he left in '96, went to Denver '97. Chiefs one seed that year, obviously, uh, and and that was the year the Broncos came into Arrowhead in the divisional round, um, and 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 won. The the sec the, you know it was the next playoff game after the Lynn Elliott game you know the uh, Elway uh, I think the famous thing in that game right was the offensive pass interference on Tony G I think that's what it was that uh that really uh, cemented the loss but but yeah Neil Smith it was a, it was his first year in Denver and he came in and and ruined the Chiefs one seed you know potential mm-hmm. Super Bowl run so uh, must have put a mental block on that one there's so many painful smart. years in there smart um, so let's get to some mailbag question first from. RL health and fitness coach at rocket dad 82. Did the chiefs figure it out on offense or was it that the chargers were playing soft coverage? Well, we talked about it a little earlier. I, I definitely blame a lot of, of the easiness on, on Staley. I mean, if you look at the bears game earlier in the year, it, it was kind of similar, right? Where Kelsey was just like randomly wide open a lot. And you're like, how do you, can you not cover him? Well, if you look at that game, the linebackers just, just looked like they had no idea. You know, they were just, they were just playing like Madden coverage, right? Where they're just dropping where they should, like if they were walking through the play and like, you know, there's nothing else happening and like nothing is forcing them to move like it, that. And, and the Chargers were doing a similar thing. Um, I you know, honestly, I looked at the defense, all 22, I haven't looked at the off- offense, but, but I think honestly though, it was more Mahomes being very, very patient and confident in like the routes developing and he, I mean, it's not something that's like new for him. Obviously, he's done this his entire career, but it is something that I feel like he was kind of um, being impatient for a lot of this year with routes developing. And we've we blamed it a lot on the receivers, right? We blamed it a lot on the receivers, you know, not getting open. And and it is some of that. That's why he's maybe a little timid. But I feel like in this game, which again, a familiar opponent, I think that does play into it a little bit. He kind of is very confident against you know how the Chargers want to defend him. Um, he he really was you know patient. You know, on the first drive, the I think Kelsey had like a 30, 30 yard catch where Mahomes kind of stepped up in the pocket, kind of made the linebackers drop to him and then just poof, flicked it right over their, their heads. And Kelsey took off with it. If you look at the MVS touchdown, he goes through a few reads, escapes the pocket, you know, kind of sees MVS running into open space and kind of leads him right into, you know, where it's going to be a touchdown. You know, that's that's him, you know when the play is not there, finding the play to be there, you know, uh, making space for it. And obviously the scrambles that he's had, I mean, uh, you know, he had the big scramble on the one third down. So I think a lot of it too was, was Mahomes playing much more with much more patience and confidence, confident patience, I guess is the way I want to put it because, you know, it wasn't just the patience. It was, it was, it was, you know, delivering the throw once he was done being patient and making the play with confidence. Yeah, I don't want to put an asterisk next to this offensive performance. I think they they executed. Uh, Mahomes was was nearly flawless again, especially in the first half. This was a a good all around offensive performance. The offensive line was good. Uh, the receivers were better. Rasheed Rice is still coming on, yes. you know, in in a big way. Travis Kelsey was incredible. Uh, MVS making plays really does make a difference for this offense. I had him this week in in market movers as a as I was bearish on him, I haven't seen a lot of playmaking from him this season whatsoever. But the way that the, this offense looks whenever you can hit a 49-yarder to, to um, MVS really opens things up. It really gives you that extra dimension. The big plays were there, which is what 
really makes this offense dangerous. When they can dink and dunk and still be the best offense in the league, but they're far and away the best offense in the league when they're hitting deep passes. And and so when they have all different dimensions there, the only thing that wasn't awesome this week was the run game. But even so, when Pacheco got a chance, he was good. It wasn't that he was that uh, he played poorly at all. So I think it was a, a good all-around offensive performance. No reason to to qualify it by saying the Chargers were bad. Yeah, they were bad, but that's also one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. And and like, but number one in terms of sacks, I think coming into this game, if I remember right, they have a number yeah. of guys that can hurt you uh, getting after the passer there, and and they, you know, really let Mahomes feel comfortable throwing the ball. Therefore, everything else works. No, that's a good point that I I did fail to mention that. Yeah, he was able to be patient, too, because like he was clean for the most part. There were, you know, a few times, obviously, he had to make his way and make, uh, you know, get out of the pocket. But, um, you know, shout out Nick Christensen. He made me laugh. He he, uh, was watching the film and he just could not believe how, you know, just Joey Bosa just does not look good to him. And, And I think there is something to that where Joey Bosa may not be the same kind of player he used to be. Um, but Tua to Pelotu, the rookie, is a very good rusher. Khalil Mack, Alvis had six sacks in one game. You can't, you don't do that on accident. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think I think there was there there, there was some uh, some good pass protection. Shout out the offensive line for for keeping Mahomes clean. He didn't get sacked until like late in the third quarter. Um, so shout out them. Um, should we go to Jake's question? I I, I like this question, Matt. At Jake Brunel, our guy. Some players are remembered for a play that highlights their skill set. Which chief should most fans closely associate with that one play? He's got A, B, and C here, but I, I kind of think we should open this up and make it not multiple choice, but this could be a uh, fill in the blank. What chiefs? What chief should be most closely associated with one play that highlighted their skill set throughout the Chiefs' history? Just go with that. Yeah, I mean, there is an obvious answer. I mean, obviously, he goes. I mean, we to for his options, he goes, you know, McCole Hardman jet sweep, right? Uh, Joe Valerio for for the old school guys, tackle eligible, yeah. right? Everyone knows that. Uh, honestly, I'm not aware of the Eric Hicks bootleg. You lost me on that one. I I, I was a little young. <laughs> I was a little young for that one. Um, probably known for chasing down bootlegs. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Sure, maybe. So uh, so yeah, no. The, the thing obviously that comes to mind is is Tyreek with uh, Jet Chip Wasp, right? You know him mm. him running the Wasp route because um, right. that that really is a a, a perfect Tyreek route because the way it, it lays out is you know him him running you know inside so hard with his speed and and threatening that safety like when he pivots back out like it just creates so much room and mm-hmm. only he's going to create that much room because he's threatening so hard inside. And so I like that one. Um, I don't know. Did any come out to you? I mean, I, I so have a celebration. When, when I saw the Eric Hicks bootleg, I, I thought Steve Bono and the boot, bootleg, the, the famous naked bootleg where he ran for 76 yards and a touchdown, I believe it was. Oh yeah. That, that one. I mean, you'd rather have him do that than throw the ball, probably, <laughs> given his career. Uh, I mean, maybe that was a little bit of a low blow, but yeah, that that one came to mind. Um, I think uh, uh, you know Dexter McCluster's uh, punt return against the Chargers in the rain with the two spins. You know, that was like the one. You know, basically the one highlight of his career <laughs> with the 
in the NFL or with the Chiefs. I don't feel like, feel like I'm throwing too much shade here, but those were uh, hey, those were iconic man. moments that I was thinking about. Dexter had a couple punt returns for touchdowns at home. Let's not uh, let's not yeah. forget. Well, uh, and now I, I was thinking the Tony Moniaki catch because I was there. Yes. That was that was one that was yeah that was the best catch I've ever seen in person for sure. Um, you know, but he just had I, that yeah. one play and that was it. I'll, I'll say uh, I'll say like Jared Allen with his uh, little play action Y fade uh, when he would come in, you know, we had that, that one year we just kept throwing him passes into the end zone on <laughs> the old, he was JJ Watt before JJ Watt. People, people forget that, you know, shout out yeah, Jared then, Allen. Then after him, it was uh, Mike Rabel. So, you know, yeah, yeah, there we go. We did, we did use Vrabes in that, in that way. Didn't we? Um, let me think uh, only, only other one um, I can think of. I mean, if you want to go old school, Mike Garrett, 65 toss power trap. Pretty sure he was the one who scored on that in the Super Bowl. It's going to bust wide open. <laughs> Hank Strange. Yeah, there, there's, I'm sure we're missing some here, but, uh, you know, there is certain plays that you, if you had to draw up a playbook for the Chiefs throughout history, there's certain plays that you would only have one player run. And, uh, you know, obviously Mahomes, um, I don't know which one you'd give Mahomes because there's so many, but uh, maybe the quarterback scramble uh, going back to that Titans run. So let me, let me ask you this and and we'll move on after this. Um, If you wanted one guy to throw a goal line fade to chiefs history, wide receiver, not Tony G Hmm. or anyone that comes to mind. I think, I think, I think there's one guy that comes to mind and I'm, I'm confident. I'm going to, I'm going to say Dwayne Bowe. I yeah. think Dwayne Bowe is that guy. That's where I was going to go. I I, okay. I like his, uh, okay. what was that one catch with the, uh, on one foot kind of bobbling it around? Oh man, that was great. Is that against the Colts? If I yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe we're misreading the question just a little bit because we're talking about a play. And, and I think Jake was talking about like a category of plays you know, right. um, but no, yeah, uh, that's what I was trying to get to. You know, I was, yeah. I was trying to get to that. It's hard. It is hard. I mean, you know, yeah, who, yeah, go- who, who would you give the uh, the screen pass, the running back screen pass to? Man, that's a good one. I mean, Jamal is the obvious answer. He had five touchdowns in one yeah. game. Yeah, Four of them, sure. I think, came on the screen pass. But, but, but I mean, but the uh, the pitch, the pitch is Priest Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're running like, uh, you know, uh, student body right, you know, you're running it with Priest and you're running it with that 03 offensive line. And I mean, you're 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 getting it done. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about one run play, I I think Chiefs fans would remember like the 2003 offensive line with, you know, power toss right or toss power right. Because, I mean, that's they just ran the heck out of that. Just yeah. toss it real quick and just mauling you know guys down the field as they went into the end zone i also used to love how marcus allen would not be the biggest guy on the field but like you put him in around the goal line and he just finds a way just finds an opening so there i don't know what play that call that is but it's it's marcus allen in short yard (laughs) touchdown play (laughs) (laughs) all right kyle sites at aim down sites who is the best off-season acquisition this year draft trade or free agency now i'm gonna leave off the second half of this question just let you answer it pure i know i mean i I love this question i mean it is a thinker because i mean shout out veach he did a he 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 killed it with the offseason i would say you know to me though i 
you really do have to say Drew Tranquil, in my opinion, um, just because of the impact he's made. He leads the team in uh, quality tackles, or PFF calls them stops, which basically is a tackle that constitutes a failure for the offense. He leads the team in those. Um, he's the most impactful defender on a snap to snap basis right now because Bolton's been hurt for a lot of the season. Um, you know, obviously when Bolton's been in, he hasn't been able to do it as much, but I mean, when he's been called upon, he has really helped this defense be what we just talked about earlier, an elite, I, I call it an elite pass defense, but this defense is just, you know, an, one of the elite units in the, in the NFL this year. And so he's, he's been a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, and Kyle makes this point with the Nick Bolton injury, Tranquil's about to make his case for it. So going forward, you could argue that. I would argue going forward, Charles Aminahue might might make his case as well. Yeah. Uh, but to date so far, I'd almost go with Rasheed Rice because Ooh. this wide receiver group is desperate for somebody to step up. That's a good and point. To be that guy. And for it to be a rookie, second round pick, maybe not even the second round pick that most fans or, or experts would have thought or, or wanted to see the Chiefs take, that, that's a pretty impressive start. Uh, for Rice, and he's been really, really important to these games when the passing game works. I mean, it was it's a lot because of Rishi Rice. That's a that's a good point, honestly. That that, that you you made that point because the linebacker group would probably survive, right? Um, you know, maybe without Tranquil, and better than the receiver room would survive without Rice. So I I like your point there. You might have swayed me. Thomas Ramirez, our guy, was MVS just invisible to us and to Mahomes. I feel like he was just open and missed. Uh, I assume he's talking about that one play where the interception was thrown mm-hmm. uh, and, and MVS looked like he was open. I feel like the, you could just talk to him about the whole season here. Like, why why has MVS been so invisible year to date uh, until this game? Was he not open or or was Mahomes just missing him? Uh, and then again, obviously, that that one play being emblematic of that. Yeah, I mean, I've speculated that, and I think it's been noticeable that Mahomes likes to throw to Justin Watson more downfield. Um, he trusts him more, it seems like. Um, and and so a lot of times, in my opinion, it seems like MVS is running maybe the secondary deep route that's like almost not really supposed to get targeted, but it's more supposed to like push the safety one way and and open up, you know, Watson or, you know, it it I. I noticed in a few games where, you know, Watson was getting like the primary route, like, like how, how the play is going to develop. Watson's going to be getting this pass on third and 15. You know, we saw that in the Vikings game a couple of times, like those were designed, you know, Watson was the primary go-to target on those. And MBS was more of like a decoy. And so, you know, I do think I speculated and it is speculation. I have no idea, but like, I think Mahomes just liked throwing to Watson more and just like maybe in the meetings was like, Hey, like when you call this up, you know, run it to where, you know, Watson's the one getting the pass. Like, you know, MBS has, you know, been up and down uh, with his, with his catching at times. Although I, you know, it's, it's, I think this year he's been very strong with it. And so I think this game is a, is a good game for maybe him to earn some of that trust back. Um, Cause you saw him, you know, make multiple plays. There was another play where Mahomes scrambled out to the left, kind of threw back across his body downfield and MBS was the target kind of finding room downfield. So yeah, I think, I think maybe, um, it was more so just uh, Watson, you know, taking advantage of his opportunities. But now that maybe MVS is the main deep threat target, and, and McColl or somebody else might be more the decoy guy, maybe we'll see MVS pop out more. And we can speculate a lot, but like we thought early in this season, they were just throwing all the young wide receivers out there and seeing who who can make a play. It could be that they 
they know what they have in MVS and, and Mahomes was just focused on trying to get some of the younger players involved and see what they had there. You know, you hate to think of the first five games of the season like preseason in that scenario, but you know, there there could be some truth to the way that they were spreading the ball out, how few targets MVS has been getting. Uh, he is a you know low volume player always. Like he just generally gets a couple of catches a game. They just happen to be big plays because that's what he does. So uh, if his volume went down even further, then obviously the production hasn't been there. On that one play, though, yes, what happened? I, you you called that out as well. You said you thought he missed MVS on that play. Yeah, and and I, uh, you know, it's always nice to hear the confirmation from Mahomes. Is very good about when he misses something, he'll explain it in the post game, and and uh, it's kind of funny. It's almost just his way of just like letting you know exactly you know why it didn't work that way, right? And you know, that's. I think a lot of Chiefs players don't do that. Um, so shout out Mahomes for that. But yeah, basically, you know, he was just late to it. It's not that he, McColl wasn't a, a decent option on that play, um, but he is late. The ball's a little underthrown. And really, what he should have done, he had MVS. So McColl's running down the left sideline, um, streaking. MVS is running across the middle of the field and does have leverage on his defender. Um, the defender's kind of trailing him. MVS has some space um, if Mahomes puts it in front of him to kind of run and, and, and make a play. Um, so it was just Mahomes, I think, just kind of maybe testing McColl, right? Saying, okay, you know what? Like, you know, the play. And again, if if, if he throws it a little earlier and, and puts more air under it, I mean, there's a chance McColl did have a step at one point and, and outruns him to the ball, right? But I, he just threw it too late, and it was just it was just bad news at that point. Thomas Ramirez's next question, what was more impressive, the offense finally rolling and showing up or the defense showing what they can do when they're on it? You know, I think the for me it was the the offense uh, really putting it together today. The defense has been been there all all season, so I, I don't know that uh, we saw anything new out of the defense. We saw confirmation against a very good offense that this defense is real. But really seeing this offense come together, uh, I, I thought was the was the key. Yeah, I know it's funny. Uh, I was I was going to make the point that yeah, I mean you could make the argument, you know. Hey, compared to the other games, this is a de- disappointing defensive effort, right? I mean, and, and I'm saying that tongue in cheek because, you know, the games they've played this year, I mean, they've just been so dominant at times, you know, just so overwhelming, just not allowing much to happen. There was a stretch in this game, right, where the defense did, you know, give up some stuff. It looked like, you know, and I think the Chargers, I will say, and, and you kind of pointed this out earlier, but they did a really good job of attacking you know, the complementary or the secondary wep- or secondary, excuse me, defensive backs in the chief secondary. Um, Joshua Williams, you know, got attacked a few times. Jalen Watson gave up some things, um, although he had a good play as well on, on another occasion. Um, Brian Cook, obviously, you know, he's not, you know, he, he's someone that that a second year player. I think he's still learning. We kind of talked about that. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely the offense because, you know, the defense has been so good that, you know, even in a really good game they played like it's it wasn't even close to one of their best performances this year. You bet. And sort of to wrap this all up, bros kingdom, bros underscore kingdom. We look great this week, uh, speaking of the Chiefs. Uh, what's next to fix outside of let's just string a few of these games together? So uh, obviously that's the that would be the, the quick answer is just keep doing what they did this week. If they do that every week, it's going to be uh, a tremendous season. But what are some areas of concern that still remain after seeing this, this uh, 
beat down in some ways of the Chargers. Well, you know, I keep saying the pass defense specifically because, you know, the run defense hasn't, you know, been, you know, uh, great statistically or anything. I think it hasn't been bad, but, you know, losing Bolton for an extended period of time, it is going to call into question, you know, just how good this run defense can be. And I think you're going to see an opponent like the Miami Dolphins attack that. And they also have the Eagles coming up in in, in, in a few games. And, you, you know, know who else teams- is starting to run the ball well is Denver. Well, yeah, no, that's a good, and they were running the ball even going into the last game. I think they just, I think, you know, Denver just was Denver. And so I think, yeah, I think there is something there. Bolton was, Bolton was in that game too. I think that's a good point too, that he played against Denver last time. He's not playing against them this time. So, and you know, one of the games we, when you talk, when you think about this year, the Chiefs run defense, you know, one of the games have been more susceptible the New York game, you know, without Nick Bolton. So I, I think there is something too you might see opponents really sell out to run the the heck out of the ball, get to third and manageable, you know, be aggressive on fourth and shorts. And, you know, they might have some success if, uh, you know, if, if Tranquil doesn't step up uh, as much as Bolton, you know, has at, at, at certain points, but I think he can, that's just, I think that's one way you could maybe, you know, find a weakness in this defense is the run, the run defense specifically. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a, a pretty tremendous season, especially considering, you know, we didn't have all the good vibes from this team over the last few weeks. Uh, Aaron Schatz on Twitter pointed out the Chiefs are the first team top five in all three phases as of week seven. First team since the 1999 Rams. They're number four in offense, five on defense, number two on special teams so far. Uh, Thank you, McCole, probably for making that happen. (laughs) I I mean, this is really a pretty well-rounded team that's putting together a heck of a season all the way around. I think you. I think they could do more running the ball. I think they've they've showed it in a couple yeah. of games. They've been very effective running the ball, and other games not so much. So some consistency there. Other than that, you know, continue to get turnovers on defense. Uh, maybe protect the ball a little bit better on offense. They had probably more turnovers than they would like to have up to this point. Um, continue to clean up penalties. Obviously, that was a big issue in in one of the games or the two of the games, but. Uh, you know they're they're well on their way to being uh, a well-oiled machine by the time the the stretch run comes about. Yeah, yeah, and it is important to you know note you know the offense just because they had this big game against the Chargers, you know they still the pass offense still needs to prove more and more, you know about their their being able to carry the team in a shootout kind of fashion game because you know there were opportunities in this game for the Chargers to come back. You know the the Chiefs defense really held them down. Um, even though the Chiefs offense scored 31, they were, you know, held down in the second half a lot of the time. And so there, you know, you would like to see the Chiefs pass offense do it, uh, you know, and and I laugh at Bro's Kingdom's question because I would say that they need to string a few weeks together. Um, but he said not to say that. So, um, yeah, let's let's go for the Chiefs, uh, you know, pass offense, maybe just doing it against a non-familiar opponent uh, like the Miami coming up. Let's see if they can do it against a non-divisional opponent. Fair enough. Well, let's get to everybody's favorite segment when Ron previews the upcoming week's game. Ron Stradamus here is going to tell us what happens when the Chiefs take on the Broncos this week. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, Broncos are coming, uh, or the Chiefs are going into Denver, excuse me. The the Broncos came into Arrowhead earlier this year. Um, But that's the thing. Uh, You know, two weeks, two games against the same opponent in three weeks, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what Sean Payton can cook up, you know, being that familiar with the opponent, that fresh, you know, it's not like the chiefs are going to change up that much. You know, they'll be looking ahead 
I mean, this is a trap game, a German trap game, right? You know, what's the German word for trap? Because, uh, you know, this will be, you know, the Chiefs looking ahead to a huge matchup uh, with the Dolphins. They're probably leaving early in the following week to go to Germany. Um, you know, they've, you know, everyone's making their preparations. Everybody's talking to their families, you know, all that. So, you know, there is a case to be made that, you know, the Broncos have a chance coming with some momentum, right? They, they did beat the Packers last week at home. They were actually almost blew the game. They were up 16 to three midway through the third quarter, ended up going down 17, 16 with eight minutes to go. Um, they had to go, they had to lean on a 52 yard field goal to go up and win eventually. Um, but like you mentioned, Denver is running the ball really well. They did it last week. Javante Williams getting healthier. Um, this Jaleel McLaughlin guy is, is, is explosive. So, you know, he's a guy that they contained last time, but you know, again, without Nick Bolton, you know, maybe there's some more opportunity for Denver to, to hit some big shots here. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's a chance Denver can, can play off of this being a trap game for the chiefs. Um, especially it being in Denver, it's always kind of the mile high stuff. It's always kind of, you never know what can happen in, in the mile high city stats. Well, per Google, uh, trap would be defile in German. Uh, <laughs> Thank so you. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, that, that's, that could be wrong. Nobody, uh, nobody needs to fact check that one out there, but <laughs> yeah, I, this is the kind of game that you don't want to overlook division opponents. You know, it should never really be that easy. Uh, especially when you're on a long streak like the Chiefs are right now. You don't want to jinx it uh, and look past a team uh, like the Denver Broncos, who are probably getting pretty desperate in their season. Uh, this was supposed to be a year where they were sort of loaded up to be uh, to be good, and, and it hasn't worked out that way at all. They're playing for pride. They're playing for jobs. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think they've got a, they've got a couple of really good running backs that – you know, could threaten you. They still have a couple of really good receivers. They finally went downfield to Cortland Sutton this last week. Um, and so that's something that uh, that element of the passing game, Russell Wilson throws a nice deep deep ball usually. Uh, so being able to, to move the ball both through the air and on the ground, you know, that defense has been bad, but they're talented. They're, it wasn't that long ago. This was a top defense in the NFL. So I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't take this game lightly. But, uh, you know, the, it's important for the Chiefs to to stay focused and stay on track here. Yeah, and it's important to note, too, that the last time they played, the Broncos were coming in on Thursday night. You know, they were the road team, you know, short week, obviously. You know, that, that that's a lot against you just off the bat, right, even as a team that's not as good. You know, now they obviously just have a regular week. You know, they've been home two straight weeks. It's their second straight home game, so there's no travel. Um, you know, I think – you know, that little stuff does kind of matter in terms of how competitive the game is. And again, I think the Chiefs, like, they are looking at, they, there's a chance, you know, human nature, people are looking ahead, especially six and one, feeling good after just beating up another division team. You just beat up this team. You know, I, I think there's a, there's definitely a chance they, they, they get a little more of a scare than they realize. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to listen with us, for submitting your questions and following the work that Ron and the whole team does on airheadpride.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, follow, subscribe, all of the above. Uh, a lot of good content, a lot of good work being put out there. Uh, thanks again. We look forward to talking to you again next week, hopefully coming off another Chiefs victory.
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.